Welcome to the Advancing Women podcast, where ambitious women come together to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, and up-level their lives. The Advancing Women podcast is hosted by gender equity expert and executive coach, Dr. Kimberly D. Simone. Welcome, warriors, to the Advancing Women podcast. Have you all seen the Barbie movie? Even if you haven't, you may have heard about the America Ferrara clip from the movie that's been getting a lot of play on social media. So I'm going to play that here now to kick off our discussion today. It is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like, we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. <laughs> like you have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you wanna be thin. You have to say you wanna be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. <sighs> you have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood, but always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged, so find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard, it's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. When we hear that, we feel so many things. Frustration, yes, because it is so damned unfair, but also relieved because it says what we so often feel. It acknowledges that we are not alone, but also that it just might not be our fault. We are so often as women faced with unique barriers and often then contradictory advice that gets in our way. So it's important that we better understand the bias that often produces those barriers so that we can interrupt them and ditch the contradictory advice with strategies that actually work for us. Too often, the best practice advice that women receive just doesn't work for women. It is so often contradictory, in part because of our social conditioning, the prescriptive bias of what women, quote unquote, should be like. Advice that can work well for men usually lands differently for women. Then we end up too often internalizing the fault and the flaw. And that's really why I created the Advancing Women podcast, so that warrior women doing all the things and more can know that you are not alone. You're part of a community that's both knowledgeable and pragmatic. And over almost three years, I've addressed on the podcast so many of the significant issues we as women are dealing with daily. 
And now I'm very excited to announce something bold, radical, and audacious that's coming to fruition this year. Another way to create community that not only supports women, but one that provides strategies grounded in wellness, powered by evidence-based knowledge, and manifested in creative courage. I've partnered with two brilliant warrior women to create Center Coach Create, a personal and professional development company for women by women. And what you should not expect is any tired advice that's based on the premise that you are somehow broken, defective, or in any way, not enough. Center Coach Create is grounded in acknowledging your inner power. We don't fix, we guide. You are neither broken nor defective, and everything you need to transcend and thrive is within you. So I have here with me today the Center Coach Create Warrior Team. Our Chief Wellness Officer, Erica Golub, is a holistic wellness expert, certified yoga instructor, and holds a master's in leadership. Erica is an award-winning designer dedicated to infusing play at all stages of our lives. She uses the power of play and holistic wellness to guide you to your true center. Welcome, Erica. Hi, it's so great to be here. I'm so excited to be launching this. Yay. And now our chief creative officer, Heather Harris. Heather has a master's in fine art and is an award-winning creator of numerous published picture books, as well as an author, professor, and scholar. She has decades of experience mastering creative processes and cutting-edge design thinking. She uses the power of creativity to help you conquer your hesitations and boldly express your story. Welcome, Heather. Thank you, Kimberly. Hi, Erica. So nice to be here today with you both. It's great to have you guys here. And everyone here knows me, but as we're talking about our credentials, I'll just remind everyone I hold a doctorate in leadership focused on the biases that impact women. I'm a gender equity expert, executive coach, professor, scholar, author, and host of this podcast. I use power knowledge to guide women in transcending barriers and navigating their personal and professional advancement. And all three of us have decades of experience working in the Fortune 500 and navigating bias and barriers that often leave far too many talented women feeling stuck. We often say when you sit with warriors, the conversation is different. So we are creating a community of warriors. So let's talk Center Coach Create and why this holistic approach is the remedy to tired, often contradictory advice that doesn't work for women. And I think we'll start with Erica with an overview of Center. Great. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm so excited to be here with you powerful ladies and kicking this off. Um, Center, we often start with Center, right? Because Center is kind of where it begins. It's it's taking a step back. It's understanding um, and reconnecting with your true self and or your why. It's a little different for each stage of your life, but the three key pillars that I use will be stillness, reflection, and nourish. And in those steps, it will look different for somebody who in their 20s, where they just graduated and they're early on in their career, uh, or somebody who is in their 30s or late 20s, where they get married and there's different external influences coming in. Or if you have children, you definitely need to reconnect with (laughs) who you are. At least I personally went through that. Or you're later in your career and you're either re-entering in or moving to those higher levels within your career or choosing a different career, 
right? And the courage it takes to do that and really understanding those choices. And before you can understand those choices, you have to get centered in yourself because we have so many external influences on our life, which this community will learn from the power of the three of us sitting here and what each of us bring on this journey. So let me talk a little bit about the practice of stillness, reflection, and nourish. I often say, until you find stillness, you really can't deeply reflect. And until you reflect, you actually don't know what to nourish. So in stillness, there's many techniques that we bring to the table because like I said, everybody's in a different place in their life and everybody's different. Everybody ticks differently. So we really tailor those techniques. Let me give you an example. I, in my 20s, and if I'm being honest, still (laughs) have trouble sitting still. I always need to be in movement. So meditation for a long time for me was going for a run. And it is a way to settle in. But then I had to learn to do it maybe without a podcast or without music in my ears in silence. And then I worked to getting to a place where I could just sit in silence. But it was a whole practice. And it took many baby steps to get there. It's often like New Year's resolutions. If you give yourself 10 things to do, you're most likely not going to do all 10. But if you give yourself just one baby goal, then that is more likely achieved. And then you're able to stick with it. And then you see that progress. Um, So many techniques like that and rooted in science will be used in stillness. Well, then once we're in stillness, things start to come up and we need to reflect on those. Whether we like the things coming up or we don't like the things coming up, we need to look at everything. So there's tools within reflection, like journaling. There's other things we can do that work with people's lifestyles and what their preferences are uh, to be able to reflect and record and then discern from that. And then once we have that, or at least seeds of that, because this is a practice, you can learn what to nourish, whether that's more training for your mind, maybe it's movement in your body, maybe it's the food or fuel you're putting in your body. So all of those things we can look at as ways to nourish the seeds that are coming up. And then you repeat because this is a practice and it takes rigor. And I do think you're going to see that idea of rigor in practice continued through each of us speaking today, because it was just as simple as us saying, here's a list of three things to do and you can just go do it. Then we wouldn't need Center Coach Create. We wouldn't need any of the programs available out there. What you need is a community that supports and can customize for your individual goals, but also how you're made and whether you connect more spiritually or you connect more scientifically, all of that's okay because you should be exactly how you are made. So we're here to support that. So just to reiterate, the processes we go through and center really are stillness, reflection, nourish, repeat. Yeah, I love that. And I know, Heather, you'll probably agree that I'm in my 50s and I am still repeat, repeat, repeat. Mm-hmm. And I still have to go to Erica and say, I'm I'm struggling with stillness. So, 
whether you're in your 20s, your 50s, your 70s, to really see it as a practice and to know that you're in a community with a lot of people who, I love what you said, tick differently, right? Mm -hmm. Because I tick differently for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I know there's so much there to digest and hopefully people can pause and go back and listen to those words of wisdom. Um, I, love, I love the repeat. I agree with the repeat. It's not three simple steps. It is the mindfulness to dive into each one of those steps and places and it's circular, right? And then you come back around and you need to find that stillness because you've become busy or and the same thing when we talk about create, I just added the word repeat to my steps. <laughs> yeah. And the one thing to bring in the play piece is you want to be able to play with it. And I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty playful person by nature. And as I get older, the fun tends to sneak away. Yeah. And even just recently, I'm like, wow, I need to infuse more fun into this because life should be more playful. And we learn through play at every stage of our life. So to bring a little bit of that in, I think helps. Yeah, it gets easy to get bogged down. You know, as women, we have a lot on our plates, especially when we're ambitious and trying to do the thing, whatever that is, write the book, mm -hmm. launch the thing. Um, and as America Ferreira said, we're being pulled in two different directions at all yeah. times, right? Yeah. The expectations on us. Yeah. So that stillness becomes something that sometimes it's easy to go. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? <laughs> if you don't, then you're kind of reacting to life, right? As exactly. To forging yeah. your own path. And so I think that focus on mindset is the core of what we are doing. Because if you don't have your head right, mm. and it's easy to not have your head right in a world that's constantly preaching not enoughness, got to get to that place of center. So absolutely learning for all of us. I'm going to jump into coach and coaching is about not telling someone what they should do. And so much of the advice we get is here's what you should do. And here's your five-step Google search way to fix the problem. And of course, it's far more complex. It doesn't take into account not only the full complexity, but as Erica and Heather are saying, the constant practice of these things and an understanding of the unique experience of women. So much evidence that shows that we as humans, men, women, all humans are socially conditioned to believe a lot of things, prescriptive biases of what women should be like, what men should be like, descriptive biases of what men are like and what women are like. And we hear that and it becomes that noise. And so we need that stillness. And so when I'm looking at three steps that are practical in a lot of situations, one of the first ones is grounded in that stillness and that reflection that Erica spoke about. And it's the simple act of pause. And I know people will oversimplify pause and say, take a deep breath. That's great. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about being prepared to have people come at you with language and narratives that are seemingly reasonable, but are actually grounded in a level of unconscious bias that they don't even realize. And so an example of that, I think everyone will say that they've dealt with is the kind of emotional woman stereotype. And it manifests in so many different ways. But I want to talk about how pause might work for you as a strategy. 
And it's two parts, really. When a person comes at you with feedback, and I'm doing finger quotes if you could see me, when a person comes back to you with feedback that seems negative, a lot of times as women, we've been conditioned to apologize. If we don't take that feedback, we're made to feel like we're defensive. So we've got all of that going on. And so often we just hear that feedback and we either apologize or we internalize it and we respond to it. My suggestion is, and this is something that works really well with women I've coached, pause when you hear feedback that doesn't maybe present you in the most positive light or suggests that you're being emotional and ask yourself these three words. Is it true? Is that actually true? Do I hear that all the time? A quick scan of evidence from your interactions. When I talk to people that I trust, my community, the people that know me and tell it to me like it is, do they say that about me? Is that something I've heard throughout my life? And if it's not true, you don't have to accept it and say, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Or if someone says, calm down. I have yet to meet a woman who has not been in a conversation or a debate or argument where they were extraordinarily calm and told, calm down by simply giving their perspective or maybe disagreeing in some way. And so when you hear something like calm down, it's really important to say to yourself, is it true? Am I not calm? And if it's not true, you do not have to accept that narrative. And it is perfectly acceptable, advisable even to say, I'm not sure why you're saying calm down. I'm quite calm, actually. And so however that manifests in your interactions, whether it's in your annual review or your argument with your spouse, it's really important to just pause and say, is that true? And for me, when I started to focus on the practice of stillness more, I found that it translated into my ability to quickly and more effectively utilize pause because I'm practicing stillness more. That time that I'm then pausing is more beneficial to me. And I'm more practiced, actually more quickly able to have that reflection happen because I'm doing it more and more often. Aligned with that and also aligned with emotional stereotypes of women, the second piece of advice is on responding strategically. And again, I've talked about why women often will respond with, I'm sorry, because you're hearing that voice in the back of your head, right? Someone says you're being defensive and all of that conditioning of women are emotional and you can't take critique and all of these things comes flooding back in. But you've paused and you've asked yourself, is it true? And you now are in a position to respond strategically. And here's the beauty of the is it true question. There's a wonderful response either way. So if is it true results in no, it's not true, you're going to go ahead and say that's actually not true. And I'm going to reframe the narrative in a way that not only serves me better, but is actually more accurate. But if it is true, that's also not your cue to start apologizing. And so I'm going to give you an example of a formula. And this is actually something I use, but it's really grounded in the work of Joan Williams. And I'll include a link to her resources in the show notes. It's what I call the formula. And basically, we have to think about how we are going to be received as women. What does our social conditioning teach us? We're meant to be nice and we're meant to think of others. And when women defend themselves, often they're told they're defensive. But when they defend others, 
people receive that better because it's more aligned with societal expectations of women. So when a person says to me, you're really angry, or I don't know why you're getting so mad, or I just think you're taking this really personally, and I'm sure that that rings true for some of you. And here's the thing. When that happens, I always recommend that after establishing through your own interpretation that it is in fact true, you are in fact pissed by what they're saying and or taking it personally. What you want to do is align that with a palatable social expectation of women. So what I would say is something like, yes, if I seem angry, it's because, and then you have to insert a shared goal. If I seem angry, it's because the team has worked really hard and tirelessly to make this happen. And what you are saying threatens its success. So yes, I'm angry. And now all of a sudden, it's not about emotional woman. It's about woman defending her team, which gets you what you want, which is to not agree with their narrative that doesn't serve you, but also does it in a way that allows you to say exactly what needs to be said in a way that's going to be more easily accepted. And finally, this one is critical. Establish a community. And if that community is Center Coach Create, if that community is your closest friend network, if that community is other women and men you work with who you feel have your back, that same principle applies. If I'm in a meeting and a woman says something and it gets appropriated, meaning it gets ignored when the woman says it, but then a man says it and everyone goes, wow, what a brilliant idea. If I then go in and say, hey, I just said that, everyone's looking at me like some kind of credit monger. Well, who cares? What's important is the message. But if Erica jumps in or one of the members of my community jumps in and says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to understand, is that different than what Kimberly just said? Are you agreeing? Something like that. And if you can get men to do that, you know when men will say, well, what can I do to be an ally? I'm glad you asked. Here are some things. Or I know you want to be an ally to me, so here are some things that would be really helpful to me in a meeting. You will be surprised how much more accepting people are of a message when you are defending the other person. And that is why community is important. You need people who've got your back, who will give it to you straight, and who will interrupt to help you in a way that you might not be able to do as easily yourself. So those are three really important things you can do. Pause and ask, is it true? Respond strategically and establish and utilize your community. Yeah, I mean, I th there's so much there, Kimberly. And I know that as people come along this journey with us, that there's so many more techniques and methods to put all of that into practice. And I've had the luxury of being your friend. So uh, I use these all the time. Three things popped up in my head. And in the first step, one of the reasons that going through center helps the pause is being viscerally comfortable in your body. So it's uncomfortable to sit in the pause. But because you've worked through it, and you're working through it, because remember, it's a practice, it's not a destination, it's a journey. Because you've been getting comfortable with sitting in the stillness, your body now viscerally reacts a little different so that when you're in the pause, when you start to feel that uncomfortableness of the quiet, 
that pause in the conversation, which feels like forever, but it's a second. That is that is why that practice helps your pause. So I just That's wanted to brilliant. connect. It, I, is yeah, wanted, brilliant. It, it has helped even in my teaching. Mm-hmm. I used to ask a student a question and then two seconds go by and nobody's answering and I'm uncomfortable with that lack of You feel it answer. in your body. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel it and I feel like I have to fill it. And so when you talk about a practice, for me in the beginning, because of the way I tick, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, I was like, just pause a second. Yeah, just pause awesome. two seconds, right? Just get to a place. Don't even actually worry yet about the thinking and the is it true. Mm-hmm. Just get used to there being a, a second or two second pause. Yeah, I count my breaths. I count, I'll count my breaths before I'll, I'll respond and I'll try to smile. So I'll just be like, smile, it. count my breaths, and then respond. The other thing is, you've actually helped me with responses in my corporate job that has helped tremendously. And I don't always get the words right because it is a practice. So just continually practicing that insert common goal that has worked really, really well. And then the third thing about the community, that also is super helpful. So like you said, it's not just women. It's also your men, your male coworkers that can help be your advocate. I've even taken it so far as sometimes my core safety group will have pre-meetings to get ready for a meeting. We've taken it that far, but I happen to be in an environment that is a bit toxic. And so in order for the meetings not to derail, in order for everybody to feel supported, we have started doing on some occasions a little pre-meeting and how we're going to manage the messaging with the team that will be present. And that I love helped. that. I know you're a big journal person, Erica, and I would argue having a journal of phrases, one mm-hmm. that I use all the time. You, here's the thing. People are fairly predictable in yes. their willingness to discount you by throwing some stereotype in. So therefore, I hear all the time, because I defend my viewpoints with logic and passion, you're being defensive. So when I hear you're being defensive, my retort is, I'm not being defensive, I'm being defending. I'm hearing your viewpoint and I'm giving a counter viewpoint. That's not defensive, that's defending. And that's something that's almost canned that I use. And I think in the short term, until we get comfortable with that language, and I know none of us love the word hack, but by all means, be prepared. Start to notice the patterns. And once you see the patterns, you can start to prepare responses that work over and over again until they get so comfortable that nobody will ever think to say, don't be defensive, because they know it's just not going to take them anywhere. Forewarned is forearmed. And that is something that we as women can really benefit from is going in prepared, not for what should be, but for what actually is. Yeah. There's one more nugget that you gave me. And then Heather, I promise I'll let you jump in. (laughs) The one thing that I have used a lot and Kimberly, you helped me with this. We have a certain employee that would often say, Erica's not listening to me and I'm the design director. So sometimes my word goes, but he would say, Erica's not listening to me. And he actually went to my boss to say, Erica's not listening to me. And the language we worked through together was he's conflating listening with doing what he's suggested. So my boss knows that I already do a 
really strong job of listening to all the feedback and discerning the feedback, then making the correct decision for the product and the end user experience. So I use the words, it's not that I'm not listening. I believe he's conflating listening with me doing exactly what he's suggesting. And as you know, I spend a lot of time discerning all the feedback that comes in and then filtering that through the final play experience for the identified end user. I love that. And I think it's true for all people, men and women probably feel this, but women especially are told when we don't agree that we're not listening because the male perspective is often the default, right? Mm -hmm. So to your point about conflating, not agreeing is not being defensive, not executing your opinion is not the same as not listening. So that reframing and understanding and having that language is so important. I love those examples. Really good examples. All right, Heather, you've been so patient. Are you ready to jump in <laughs> with an over? Yeah, well, no, it's been a great conversation. Um, and I guess I want to start the create piece, addressing the elephant in the room that a lot of people might wonder how does create even fit in because they have maybe a bias or a preconceived notion that they're not creative. And I want to begin with the fact that creativity is an integral piece of the human experience. In fact, it's part of what being human is, is to be creative. And the universal value of creativity can be seen throughout cultures in the world. Humans are creative people. But with that being said, it's a major misunderstanding to believe that some individuals were born creative and some are not. And that might be our preconceived notion, oh, so-and-so is creative, but I'm not. And I want to stop that right here and say, no, we are all creative. In fact, you were created, therefore you are creative. That's what I like to say. And as women, being creative is our natural superpower. We are the ones who create life within us. Whether we're mothers or not, we intrinsically understand the value of the creative process because we were designed to create. And so tapping into your creativity allows you to think differently and it can help you in both career and life. And so Create is all about doing just that, tapping into your creativity, whatever form or fashion that may take. If we want to put some science behind it, if we want to validate it a little bit, Daniel Pink states in his book, A Whole New Mind, succeeding at work today means using skills and abilities that aren't routine or algorithmic, but rather are heuristic and difficult to outsource or automate. And that's what creativity is. It's heuristic, it's right-brained, it's emotional, it's everything that women do so well, and yet many times are not credited for, um, or our creative ideas are appropriated in the workplace. So I really wanna encourage all of the warrior women out there listening to this podcast or tapping into Center Coach Create to embrace their own inner creativity. And like anything, it can be broken into steps. And like centering and like coaching, it is a journey. It is not destination. It is a process and it is a joyful part of any practice that you want to incorporate into your life. 
So I like to think about creativity as starting. We have our three steps. It starts with belief, believing that you are creative, believing you were designed for creativity. That is your mindset. Believe that you can be creative in everyday life, whether it's how you choose to dress in the morning, what you choose to make for dinner, how you choose to doodle on your notebook during that boring meeting. <laughs> you know, um, maybe it comes the holidays and it's how you choose to celebrate the holidays or tell stories to your children at bedtime. There's so many ways creativity can be seen and expressed. And I don't want anybody putting any self-limiters on saying, well, it has to be art or it has to be music. It should just infuse right out of us. So there's creativity in all of that. And that starts with believing that you are creative. It starts with that mindset. The second thing is then establishing a practice. Creativity is a muscle like anything else. It needs to be exercised. The first time you have to do a push-up, it's really awkward and weird. And you actually can't do it and you flop onto the ground. And then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then the muscles develop, and then there's the muscle memory, and then you can do a push-up and you look super cool and warrior-like. <laughs> <laughs> Creativity is the same way. The first time you pick up that pencil or paintbrush, the first time you decide that you're going to bake some amazing confection, the first time you're going to write down your thoughts in a journal and you want it to be narrative and creative and all of that, that is a practice. So it's a muscle that needs to be strengthened and nurtured. And being creative is about trying new things. Anything that's interesting to you. I can't tell you the number of things I just do because it looks interesting to me. I don't necessarily make it into anything, but it's just fun to do it and it's interesting. And the really hidden truth is as you do those new things, you're building your skill set, your skill set for problem solving, your skill set for looking at things a new way, your skill set for making connections where people are not making connections. That's like the hidden gem of having a creative practice. It just allows you to have a much broader view on things. And then, of course, as we start to try new things, that old monster fear creeps in, right? Well, I'm afraid I'm going to make a mistake. I'm afraid I'm going to look like a fool. I'm afraid I'm going to sound funny or foolish. All of that. And I would say this is the third step, embracing imperfection. Don't fear mistakes. Fear is a self-limiter and it's a saboteur. And I would like to challenge all the warrior women out there to say, what is a mistake anyways? Isn't a mistake just an unexpected outcome? Isn't it just something different than you expected to have happen? And who's to say that what you expected to have happen was the right thing? and that the mistake was wrong. Maybe the mistake was the right thing, right? So don't get caught up in mistakes. Expand your mindset to allow the unexpected, allow that thing to happen and embrace it and say, wow, that's really cool. I didn't think it was gonna turn out that way. And it did, and it's so much better than this you know, set planned thing that I had in my mind. I like to say that creativity is just mistakes having fun. 
I love that. (laughs) Thank you. So the three things, believe in your own creativity, believe that you are creative, establish a practice, and then embrace the imperfection that is inevitably going to come along as we try new things. It winds up working out into a mindset, a skill set, and a tool set that you develop just through pursuing a creative practice. Yeah, I love that. I feel emotional about what you're talking about in some ways because partnering with two very creative artists, my two best friends, my business partners, very, very highly creative in my mind. I see myself not creative in the same kind of way. So I appreciate what you're saying about how hard it is sometimes to actually believe that's true because I do struggle with that a little bit. And so Heather your idea that it's a practice. Erica has kind of over the years helped me to understand the importance of a journey versus an end destination. And when I hear you, it even reinforces that. Mm. And I like what you said earlier, Erica, you said repeat. And I put that at the end of mine too, because the more you practice your creativity, the more you're going to set your expectations on perfection, the more you're not going to like the imperfection, the more you're going to tell yourself you're not creative, right? So then you need to swing back around, repeat and say, no, I am creative. The practice is joyful. And it also builds superpowers that I can use throughout life in work and in personal relationships. And I'm going to embrace the imperfections, right? So you need to do that for sure. And Kimberly, you mentioned the baby steps. I actually think that was Erica who mentioned the baby steps. Oh, was it Erica? I'm it sorry. was. She gets Erica. all the credit. Okay, Erica, you get. You are brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> she is clearly. Yeah, but it is. It's the baby steps, and you know, when we were babies, we picked up a crayon and we made some marks, and mom and dad loved those marks, and none of the marks looked like any letters. And yet no children gave up picking up crayons, right? But as adults, we are somehow conditioned. This goes back to what you talk about all the time, Kimberly, kind of that social conditioning. If it isn't perfect immediately, it's it's laughable or- I'm not good at this. I'm not good. I'm going to give up. You know, what I love about drawing or the, the physical creation of marks with something that's in your hand is it's uniquely yours, that's your mark. It's not wrong. How are you wrong? You're not wrong. You're neither broken nor defective, right? (laughs) That's your mark and you should love it and embrace it and be joyful about it. It's so profound because in a world that is constantly saying not enough, going into an area that maybe we're a little uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. and using the creative process to overcome the tendency towards believing the world telling you not enough, not enough, that practice in and of itself has so much value. And you and Erica both talk a lot about joyful. And it really made me think about how we say that Center Coach Create is for ambitious women and Mm. how maybe people hear ambitious women and they think of it from the traditional worldly male perspective of ambition, Mm. which is I want to get ahead in my career. This is an advice for that ambition because ambition is wanting the best world you can create for yourself, a joyful life, Mm -hmm. a meaningful life, and a life of purpose. And I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom or an executive in a company or anything in between. 
we can be ambitious in terms of growth mindset, wanting to get the most out of life. And what I love about Center Coach Create is that these strategies are about that. They're about practices that lead you toward whatever it is you're seeking, not mm -hmm. what society decides is there for you. So whether you're launching the thing or you're starting the new thing, or if you want to learn Japanese or launch a podcast or get promoted in your job or get back into the workforce after you're staying home with your kids, or maybe you want the next part. You know, what does part three look like in my life? Because this is what part one and part two look like, right? I I learned and then I earned. Mm -hmm. Part one, I learned. Part two, I earned. What does part three look like? And so these kind of practices in my mind are about that. So when you guys talk about joyfulness and those types of things, I think that's ambition, right? And why I think that this type of advice is important for all women, because we are part of a community. And we are also part of a world that does tend to constantly message not enoughness. And Wait, I've got part three. I Ooh, just you've got part it. three? Learn, earn, discern. Ooh, I love true? it. Is it true? Am I That's enough? Good. Yes, I am enough, right? To, to be able to discern all of these messages and say, nope, I'm enough. So I just want to jump in and talk about, so there's a couple of things that you both are saying that I really like and I want to highlight. And it's redefining some of the words we're using because ambitious, I've always kind of got a little hung up on that too because of that very masculine, like, and I love your redefining of it. And then back to what Heather said is the redefining of creative. And he, I have a story. So my older mm -hmm. brother always would say he wasn't creative and I was the creative one. And I was like, you're insane. You're extremely creative. What you're doing is that you're looking at creative only in the traditional artistic sense. Mm -hmm. And I said, but what you do and in creating new coding and software, you are constantly solving problems. And the way you're solving those problems are very creative because in order to create new software, to do new things that it's never done before, you have to use creative problem solving. So you're actually exercising your creativity all the time. Yeah, I love that. So creativity isn't just defined to the artistic world. It's how you think of things differently. That's why humans are so important because AI, while super awesome, and we're spending a lot of time with that, it's still only reusing what it already knows. And it's the human mind that evolves. That's what makes us unique. We will evolve a thought, evolve an idea. That is using creativity, which is so, why create is so important to center coach create, because it is exercising that muscle. It is taking courage to try new things. And even the new things that you're trying, if they don't turn out the way you expect, just the action of taking the courage to try the new thing is worth it. Seeing the value in the process. Absolutely. Because there'll be another thing that will come up and then you'll be more comfortable taking the risk so when the fear comes up, you'll say yes. Yeah. Because you know what I, it's a practice. Something I heard recently that reminds me of what you're saying here is 
can we learn to replace what if with so what? Mm-hmm. And I think from creativity, that's so important because we spend a lot of time going, what if they don't like it? What if it's not good? What if I make a mistake? What if this wasn't what they were looking for? What if I spend all this time and then I can't use it? What if, as opposed to, so what if I make a mistake? So what if it turns out different than was expected? Mm-hmm. So what if it doesn't end up exactly the way I thought. And I think that that's really meaningful. But also, Erica, I want to talk about that story with your brother because that okay. really struck me in that throughout our life, in our families even, and in the world, it's so easy to put us into little boxes as opposed to the complexity of woman. Mm-hmm. And so it's tidy to say this is the creative person and this is the logical person and Kimberly's the word person and Heather and Erica are the visual person and so forth. And the more we say that, hear it and affirm it for ourselves, the more it becomes true when it doesn't need to be true at all. So I think when you said that about your family, I'm like, wow, that is how fast and easy it happens. It's not just in the workforce. It's little Mike and little Erica already feeling like, She's the creative one and he's the logical one or whatever the words are that we wrap around it that are. He's the engineer. I'm the artist. artist. Right. And so then therefore you begin to deliver on that. And it's never too late to say, yeah, maybe not. What if that's actually not true? And maybe I'm still the logical person, but I'm also the artist. I'm still the engineer, but I'm also the artist. And Heather is a perfect example of that. A person who went to school for finance and business had had a profoundly successful career in that realm and then said, you know what? I love art. And I stifled that and decided, you know what? It's time for me to not be that one person anymore. I can be both of these people. And I, Mm -hmm. I love that about you. And I love that for all of us and for every listener here today. And so this is an introduction to what Center Coach Create is about. If anyone listening wants to learn more about Center Coach Create, I encourage you to go to centercoachcreate.com. When you sit with warriors, the conversation is different. And hopefully you got a flavor for the types of things that we're focused on and what we're grounded in. And each episode I end with a manifest statement or a key takeaway. And in this episode, I'm going to reiterate what America Ferrara said in the beginning that I shared. She said, quote, you are so beautiful and so smart, and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough, end quote. And that makes me want to say again, reiterate, you are neither broken nor defective. It kills us that you might think that you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. Everything you have to transcend and thrive is within you, but you don't have to do it alone. Find a community that's got your back because together we rise. And I just, again, want to thank Erica and Heather for joining me to chat about Center Coach Create today and share all these wonderful strategies. I am so excited for 2024. And listeners, we are excited to help you achieve all of your bold, radical, audacious goals. For more resources, you can visit my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com and connect on Instagram at Advancing Women Podcast. I love getting your feedback. So please email me at drdsimone at advancingwomenpodcast.com. 
I just want to thank Joe Jacobs, the audio warrior who wrote the music for this podcast, and a huge thanks to Heather Harris, the creative warrior who designed the Advancing Women podcast logo. And thanks to all of you for joining me here today.